Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? What have you been up to? If you guys follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you will have seen that I was in New Orleans. I think I said that on the last episode that I was going to be heading down there. And it was a blast. I always have such a great time down there. It's really starting to feel like a home away from home and, I mean, besides, it's an amazing amazing food city, amazing music city, it might be my favorite city, and it's just becoming really, like, more, every, every visit, more and more special, it was really cool, I was down there by myself, so I was just really talking with a lot of locals, and, you know, talking with a lot of people, but I recorded with five individuals, people that work in food and drink and music, so that was fun, had this musician Big Sam of Big Sam Funky Nation on, and he's really into food, and we talked a whole lot of good stuff about that. But you guys will be hearing those episodes every Wednesday. Yes, not every other week, but every Wednesday in February and the first Wednesday of March, because that is Ash Wednesday, the day after Fat Tuesday. And that's what I really wanted to do with these New Orleans episodes, is honor Mardi Gras, that amazing time of year down in New Orleans and the amazing tradition. It's just a, it's, it, it really is. It's just the best city. It's just, or at least the most unique city. I've never been to another city like it. And the people down there are just so nice, so welcoming, so approachable. And so I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear those episodes. But those episodes aren't going to begin until the first Wednesday. What day is that? The first Wednesday of February that is February 5th, so the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, the 26th, and then March 4th, those five episodes. But right now, it's been a while since I've talked a movie with you guys. And remember, the humble beginnings of foodie films, it's about food-centric movies. And the last movie I talked with you guys was Chocolat, and that was absolutely delightful. But after that, it was a couple of, uh, you know, first cut episodes, and then we did two episodes in a row, me and Brian Ra- Brian Rodriguez, my co-host of P.S. I Still Love Hoffman and host of High School Slumber Party, all part of the Cage Club podcast family. And we did those two episodes. I hope you guys really enjoyed those. But that was even, that was TV. So here I am back talking a movie. And what a movie. I mean, does it get any bigger in the scope of cinema than 
the importance of like Casablanca. You know, you got, I think I say in the episode, but you got what Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, The Wizard of Oz, and like, and Casablanca. And then, you know, of course, later generations, you've got The Godfather and Jaws and all, all those movies. But really, I mean, Casablanca, Blanca, what do you guys call it? I call it Casablanca. But it's, you know, you might be thinking foodie film. It, the main location is Rick's Cafe American, and so it, it's all about how that place is a watering hole and a, and a place for refugees and people to maybe forget their worries. And that's, that's you know, I, I love consuming food and, and drink, but that's the craziness of it is, like, how it brings us all together. And so I think this movie really highlights that in the case of, uh, you know, the character of of Rick, played by Humphrey Bogart, and so really excited to talk about it with you guys, or for you guys to listen, and I talked about it with Anthony Scalia, not Scalia, not the uh, deceased superior Supreme Court Justice, but this is someone I met, we went to the same college, not the same time, you guys are going to hear all about it, someone I really enjoy talking films with. He knows a lot about older movies. He was excited to talk about this. I was excited to talk about this. It is award season. It's a Best Picture winner. This movie came out, what did I figure out, 78 years ago, 1942, right? That's 78 years ago. So I wonder what's going to be Best Picture this year. Past couple years have been some pretty good movies. And this, I mean, this is Best Picture winner from 1942, Casablanca. Here we go, me and Anthony talking it. What do, you, what do you think? Is it too soury? Is it the sour too sour? I think it's pretty good, actually. I mean, yeah. I like sour things. I like sour things, too. It sort of has, like, maybe it's just because I have, usually it's, like, sour green apple. I feel <laughs> like it's green apple. Like, everything sour is green apple. Yeah, this is from uh, Hermit Thrush, which I did a recent episode of, and I uh, spoke with the VP, Avery Schwank, up there, and he's it's a, it's a brewery up in Vermont in Brattleboro. Mm-hmm. You know, Vermont is just, like, the... Uh, one of those uh, craft beer meccas. Are they really? Yeah. Yeah. Vermont and like out in like Michigan, Oregon, Asheville, North Carolina, you know, it's yeah, yeah, all yeah. these places. New Jersey's stepping up their game. Have you been to any breweries? In uh, around here? I, I mean, I went to the Sam Adams one in Boston. I well, went that's to... a classic one. Yeah. That's cool because it's free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it tastes better when it's free. Um, and then I went to like one in Ireland, uh, by in Kilkenny. Oh, you didn't go to Guinness, were you? No, no. (laughs) So, like, I flew into Dublin, but I didn't stay in Dublin. Okay, all right, yeah, but yeah, no, no. So, so your answer, no, none of them, none none around here in Jersey. You got a, I mean, okay, May Brewing. I went, okay, there's a bunch by by you and by by us. We're both North Jersey boys. You got Ghost Hawk, the first one in Passaic County in Clifton. Mm You got Elementary in I want to uh, go to Ghost Talk in, in by Hackensack. Way. I've heard of that. What's that? Ghost Talk. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's a big one. I gotta look up all the other. I'm so I'm so bad with names sometimes. Then there's like as you go down the coast, there's like you know, Ship Bottom has one. There's a few like mm-hmm. around AC and then Cape May. Like I know that the I know that they're like shore ones. Yeah, in Jersey City we got Departed Souls. You got NJ Beer Co. in North Bergen. What other ones we got? We got, uh, oh, Brick City. That's the one I was thinking of. That's not too far. That's right in, like, is that technically Little Ferry? Yeah, there's a couple right by you. 
But yeah, good yeah, spots I'm gonna that. check them out. I want to go to that the, the ghost talk, whatever. Yeah, ghost talk. That's yeah. that's the one I really. Been yeah, it's right. It's right list. across the street from Rut's Hut. And I've never been there. Whoa! We were gonna go, me and my girlfriend, this weekend for the first time. But like we ate bagels, and then it was like I'm not gonna eat. Like, <laughs> Rut's Hut is like a, is a North Jersey staple. I know. Just New Jersey staple. It's that, and then uh, oh god, my memory is just so bad sometimes. I think I should get a cat scan. Right now? What's that? Yeah, well, hot dogs. Yeah, because then there's the one in uh, that Bourdain went to in, in Fort Lee. Yeah, Hiram's. That, yeah, yeah, there that's like that's so famous. Yeah, that's a good one. They got the whole Bourdain food trail from the episode of Parts Unknown that he did. There used to be a place in Jersey, in what I call Panama's, that yeah. was pretty famous for them. But yeah, but. I mean, that's a, it's funny that you haven't been there yet because you always, you surprise me. Well, you know, I mean, we kind of, this was a lovely, I'm going to make it not a lovely, smooth thing right now. I'm going to say I'm here with Anthony. Anthony, I don't want to, I don't want to say, say it wrong because Italian heritage and Italian pride. And I don't want to say it the same as the, well, technically wasn't he Anthony? Antonin. Antonin, yeah, so, the, so the, the former Supreme Court Justice. Right, so the, the correct way to say it is the way he pronounced it, which is Scalia. Uh-huh. But to distance myself from him, I say Scalia. So go. I say it the wrong way, on purpose. <laughs> but before the knowledge of him, right? Yeah, okay. well, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. He's all right. Yeah, but um, we've known one another for, we went to the same college, but we're separated by uh, more years than obviously sharing college together. But we uh, met one another because of we both worked in the media center around Poe College and because of Zach Bressler, kind of like a lack of a better word. I mean, definitely a friend, but a mentor to us both as well. Absolutely. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. He's the man. He is the man. Just did a gig with him last week in Pittsburgh, and uh, it was good catching up. But um, yeah, we met and we've worked together on other shoots together, and I love talking film with you. I know you are a big film buff, but just like you said that you haven't like been to like Rut's Hut yet, you always surprise me with like there's certain films you haven't seen. It's yet. Like things that I should have seen twenty times by now. Yeah, I like haven't you, seen. You yet. hadn't seen like what what which Star Wars movies have you seen? Uh, the fourth and the fifth, so New Hope and Empire. Okay. And, I seen and you watched else. those, not like, didn't you watch that specifically? Because <laughs> you gave them to me. To yeah, because you wanted, you needed to watch them because you're like doing a video for someone, right? You're for LPG. Oh, That's he was right. on this license plate guy, famous, uh, the New York Giants number one fan. He was on here. We talked the movie Beer League. Um, yeah, so yeah, you uh, he was doing a wife, uh, doing a wife, doing a video for his wife, and she's a big Star Wars nut, and so you were doing it for him, and you're like, I have no idea, like anything, like what to help out with. I'm like, well, here you go, the two most important. I mean, the original trilogies that yeah. you're like you watched four and five, and that's it. And I think they're okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I think Star Wars is something that you had to grow up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like. There were certain films that by the time I went to college, like for the first time I saw them was in college, like mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. I didn't see until I was in college. Yeah. Like it wasn't a film I grew up on or anything like that. Um, to this day, I still have a lot on my list that I haven't seen. Like uh, one of the ones that I constantly want to see is The Master. Like, oh, and then yeah. I feel like that's a film that I would love. It's just like I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse. Yeah, and, and it's on, it's actually it's on Netflix right now. So oh, it is. Oh, that's right. It's in my list. Yeah, yeah. See, this is how I never see it. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> yeah, I think it just like came on like this month. It's like oh, you gotta watch this one. You know, it's like I think this time of year because the Academy Awards and everything like that. Yeah. 
put some more good movies on and everything like that. Joaquin Phoenix is nominated for the Joker. He's I mean, I'm more of like I, I'm a classic movie fan. You like, are. You're yeah. You're well. You're. I mean, you're like a monster movie fan. Like the like yep. Universal, right? Yep. Those are the fil- first films I ever saw. First movie I ever saw was Abbott and Costello be Frankenstein. Really? Yeah, and it was sort of like perfect because, <laughs> because it blended of like your dad horror and, and comedy. Or? My dad had a video store. Okay. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He owned a video store like while my mom and he were engaged and met oh. early into their marriage. So he was a big Marx Brother fan, a big like James Cagney fan, mm-hmm. and he kind of went out of business because back then you had to like buy the VHS for like eighty dollars or whatever it was. That's crazy. And he would buy the movies that he liked, not yeah. the movies that were popular. So well, he went so out of business. Yeah, it was very niche for like his liking. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was sort of like a high fidelity with a video store, I guess. But um, so so I grew up on those films. For some reason, like monster, Universal monsters were like embedded in me. Then I moved on to like early Warner Brothers gangster films. Like, you know, every seven-year-old does. Yeah. James Cagney. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. was one yeah, of the yeah. first times I, I saw him was in a film with Cagney called The Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. that I still try to watch once in a while. It's a great, great film. That's like a... Gen- I mean, I've seen the classics from back then, but that's a generation that I definitely need to pick up more on. Like, I've, de- I've seen the best of, right. of, like, those. Or, you know, the greatest hits, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure there's plenty of, like hidden gems that are you know would be the best of but as far as like the greatest hits you know it's like almost like the eagles i don't love the eagles but you know i enjoy their greatest hits yeah you know the the important songs yeah so i know like the important films like up until the mid 60s once like the anti-hero came in and then that's when my film knowledge really kicks into gear and you get what was like Spielberg and Lucas and De Palma and Coppola all and Scorsese all called? Weren't they like the New Hollywood? New Hollywood, but didn't even they have like a film like, brats? Yeah, they film. Them yeah, a the couple. Film, they're, they're the really brat. Like, no, the brat pack is the '80s group of people. But I thought there was like some kind of. But yeah, they were like they were the yeah. first group of people who went to school to study film. Yeah, like that was the difference. And came into the studio system when the studios were no longer being run by like the guys that have the names of Warner and Meyer and all yep. all, all those yeah. guys. Yeah. And it was like corporations were buying the studios and being like, okay, what's trending right now? Exactly. And it just and then by hiring these young guys that people wanted to see movies made by it just changed like this the landscape of cinema. I mean I will say that my favorite era of films is nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love the thirties and forties, that's my like second favorite. Mm-hmm. I still love the 60s and 70s I mean, is, your, is your favorite movie of all time Easy Rider? No. Uh, it's in my top 10. Okay. My favorite movie of all time is The Great Escape. Ah. Steve McQueen. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's, I mean. Love it. That's, then you must have loved the scene from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with DiCaprio. Was... I freaked out. My brother <laughs> saw it the night before and he was like, there's a scene you're really going to like. That's and, so I, good. and I totally forgot he said that. By the time yeah. it came on the screen, I was like, it's Hilt. Yeah. Like he's playing that character. That. Like, like my, I can give you my top three or top four favorite movies if you're Please, interested. Please, yeah. It's Great Escape is number one. And number two is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, number three is Abbott and Castellani Frankenstein. And number four is It's a Wonderful Life. Whoa. That's a... That, there you go. I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. Some people... I don't know. I think people love it or hate it. Do you hate it? Maybe not all people love and hate it. I'm kind of... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. I haven't watched it in a really long time. I think, or should I say, maybe I shouldn't say love and hate it. People like, 
love it or just like I'm talking film people. They love it or they just like appreciate it. Yeah. I probably fall more into just like appreciate it. You know, because there's sure. like, as people that like I always compared it to like once you really like studied film and by no means to be go to NYU or UCLA or you know anything like that. But just like when you care that much about something and you're watching that many movies, so maybe you don't have a degree in it, you just start appreciating things more. And also, like movies become more like I always compare it to uh, spoiler alert, you know, Christmas morning. And when you're, you know, a kid, awesome, magical. But then once you lose the magic or find out that Santa isn't real, but, you know, he might be, I don't know, I'm not trying to, yeah. You never know. Yeah, you never know. But since popular belief that Santa isn't real, the magic is lost but then like once you become older and whether you have kids of your own or you become like an uncle and just see it like then through the eyes or trying to make mm-hmm. it special for a kid so that's like what i think like once you have your people that just go to the movies to enjoy it and that's being the kid and then you have once you learn it that's like being the parent and stuff yeah like that, you know? yeah and i try not to be like for lack of a better word a snob yeah like when i watch movies because you could easily be that guy who sees a lot of movies and like uh, I don't know. It doesn't meet the specific criteria for me to like call mm-hmm. it a good film. I really try to go into every movie just completely blank. I don't even like to watch a trailer. Just try to go into it like and like I went to Joker, all the films this year, Parasite. Yeah. Everything I've seen was just like just right out of the gate, and I always find that's a better experience. I, I want to know almost nothing about a film going in. I don't figure the same way. I certain things. I'll be that way, but then, like, I mean, sometimes... It's not like I'm trying to spoil anything for myself, but I definitely, like, take in and, like, read articles. Again, not, like, anything that definitely includes spoilers, but I'll read certain things and I'll watch a trailer or whatever. My 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 kind of belief... I mean, I definitely agree, but since I'm just somebody that, like, I, I'm just ready and always ready to consume, and if it's right there in front of me, I don't have the willpower to, like, not click on it or whatever and read it or take it in visually... That I'm like, if it's that good, it shouldn't ruin it for me. But mm-hmm. also, the, then again, like, sometimes trailers do give, like, too much away. Yeah, yeah. Or just, or, or make you start thinking it's going to go a certain way, and then when it doesn't go that way, you get really upset because yeah. your imagination has taken over. Case in point, just even, not even the trailers, but with the latest Star Wars, I mean, for me, obviously there's people then even older that had since 1983, but when I watched it for the first time in like 1993, 1994, I thought Luke Skywalker was going to have a certain trajectory. And then when they gave me a different one, I'm still not like, again, I appreciate it. I think it's a good story. I think thematically it's fantastic, but that's just like what they did wasn't like my Luke Skywalker in my imagination since I was seven years six seven years old right right but which is why i just tend to, yeah i just tend to <laughs> stick to the originals like especially with talking about universal monsters they're remaking a lot of them like they remade the mummy with tom cruise yeah. i guess you can't call it a remake but no. they're rebranding it yeah reboot yeah i mean there was even i enjoyed the mummies with brendan fraser in the 90s those those are good because they're not they're not trying to be something else yeah it was like I mean? indiana jones but with like the yeah in a way it's cool yeah but now they have a new invisible man with elizabeth moss we i just saw the trailer to it the other night yesterday uh, when really? i was in the theater for a while, it was going to be Johnny Depp when they remember yeah. when they released that picture. Yeah. Because it was yeah. Benicio del Toro is like Wolf, Wolf Man. Man. Mm-hmm. And him, Johnny Depp is Invisible Man. 
Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, and then Tom I think John Cruise's Hamm was going to be Frankenstein. Oh, really? Or Dr. Frankenstein or something. Something, yeah. In the film. Yeah, but. and there was like one other that's just like, but they were just, because that, that was like, that was like right after, not right after, but like because of Marvel and the MCU, everyone was like, we should make a connected universe. Right, It's right. like, that's not going to work for everything. Not everything yeah. needs to like, you don't need to like have a cameo of, like I saw that one, the Tom Cruise mummy one, and like Russell Crowe played Doctor Jekyll, and it was like Doctor Jekyll was in part of, part of this like monster, you know. Yeah. I don't know. He was he was the Nick Fury. Which, by the way, not to be a Universal monster snob again, but they were actually the first uh, films to create a cinematic universe because yeah, well, they, uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they were. There was a film I, I forgot what year it was mid to late 40s called Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. That was the first time two Crossover, characters from yeah. separate films were in a movie together. And so then they created a universe and and by the like by the late 40s they had films with the Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, the crazy doctor, hunchback. Everybody was in it. It was like a party. Yeah. You know. It was the monster mash. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but I mean there's then you know as far as movies like this year that are I mean, that just came out, but obviously in the Oscar hunt, you know, that we are uh, mid-award uh, season right now. I guess the, I think the SAG happened just last night or something as yeah. we're recording. I don't know. It doesn't, I don't, I don't care necessarily. I get happy when a movie that I like, I see, like, wins. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's just like, it's, I don't have like a, a dog in the fight per se but it's just like I, I really want Brad Pitt to win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood That's I just be. finished that supporting first of all that supporting actor like category is insane yeah Joe Pesci and Al Pacino mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins Brad Pitt and Tom Hanks <laughs> Jesus Christ yeah, like crazy. you're not gonna make a bad decision. and I just finished Two Popes so I saw like all of them I need to see Two Popes yeah Brad Pitt is, is exceptional I mean, in that film, he's—I mean, he always is, but especially in this role. Yeah, but like I know we both saw the lighthouse, and so as far as watching the trailer for that, like that didn't spoil it for me in any kind of way whatsoever because that movie just had so many uh, like tricks up its sleeve. Like it just—it still was—it was ambiguous enough the trailer, but you know, so it's not because it's not crazy like Marvel or Star Wars action property that they're like, well, mm-hmm. we in the trailer. I'm sure there's such a formula for those trailers. Yeah. Like show just a little bit of this action set piece from the first act and show that these two characters are going to have a little tiff. In the right. Movie. Like something <laughs> like that. But, um, well, we, uh, you know, like, I mean, I know you're much more of a film person than, I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm going to learn something really big about you today. But uh, I know that, that your knowledge of film, but let's just talk food for a little bit. Sure. I mean, we're both North Jersey guys. Uh, I mean, what were you eating when you were growing up? Who was cooking? Were you guys going out to eat? Mostly eating at home, that kind of stuff. When I was growing up, I always wanted to go out to eat. <laughs> yeah? And that's why I go out to eat now. Did you have a favorite spot, though? Like, that you're Burger King. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> I you gonna, yeah, I thought it was going to be like some local, like, cool, like, I don't know, like, tavern or so. There was always, when I was growing up, there was this place called the, it was called, it's called the Iron Horse. It's still open in Westwood, New Jersey. And uh, I always called it the train restaurant because that's what, I mean, Iron Horse, you know, yeah, it's yeah, train yeah. and it was right by the, the tracks in Westwood and you could see the trains coming by or whatever. And I, they had great burgers and they would always, I love coleslaw and they would bring coleslaw to like the table. Like, I mean, that's very like diner style. Sure, yeah. But they just had really good coleslaw and they also had this jar of like 
minty chocolate like colorful things that like you could that they had these red napkins and I always remember scooping it out and putting it in the red napkin like twisting up the napkin and bringing it home that's so funny that was like my go to move <laughs> and I would always have a Shirley Temple there I love Shirley Temples as a kid oh yeah me too but uh but yeah you're always like you're like mom dad I want to go to Burger King well yeah because like mostly we we cooked at home uh-huh. like my mom did a lot of the cooking and my grandmother cooked a lot too she yeah. was from Italy so she made just pretty basic like pasta dishes she made but everything she made no matter how simple it was just tasted great i don't know what it was like <laughs> yeah. she cut up a potato she put it in a pan it was the greatest thing you ever had in your life like, did you have like a favorite dish of hers though? yeah with breakfast time she made like these home fries that were sensational oh, and wow, i am okay. a potato junkie yeah so, so am i i'm a, i'm pretty i'm like a a, like a basic bitch in that way of just of like food that I'm like meat and potatoes mm-hmm. like it's the Irish the German like in me I think but at the same time I mean I love so much food but like if you just put some you know like a steak and a baked potato in front of me I'll be a very happy individual exactly I mean I'm, I'm also I am probably my biggest weakness is sandwiches I just I oh, love a sandwich here. Like, I'm such a yeah put anything between two pieces of bread and yeah. it's going to be a good outcome. That's my motto. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, Reuben or like a turkey club, any, mm-hmm. anything. It's just like, and I love just having the sandwich and the fries combo. Oh, yeah. So I'm a diner or just guy even too. Or just even chips. I love chips and like sometimes taking chips yeah. and putting it on the sandwich, on the sandwich and getting the crunch and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, um, as the, as the listeners know, like I, you know, worked at a deli, like starting at 16, I still work random days there cause they're like a second family to me. And I just, I love making sandwiches. Yeah. It's just, there's something just so simple, but like at the same time you could go like complex, but like, I, I love just like, if it's like really good roast beef and just like, just even sometimes roast beef mayo and like salt and pepper. But if I want like a little crunch in there, I'll find like a good leaf lettuce and some onion or yeah, something. Yeah. If I want a little extra flavor in there, maybe I'll put like a slice of cheese on it. Or instead of mayo, I'll go Russian. And it's just like, Russian's good. It's just there's a for such a simple thing. There's like endless like you know like when you're in like math class and it's like well give how many you know when you're doing like those word problems like how <laughs> many how many outcomes could there be there's like endless outcomes yeah, when it comes yeah. to sandwiches well i ate dinner right before i came here and i'm now hungry which uh. doesn't take much like <laughs> really doesn't take much uh-huh. especially lately i have to stop eating yeah and start doing the opposite exercising i started doing i'm not i'm not doing it perfectly well yet but um Oh God! What's it called? Uh, intermittent fasting, which there's like multiple versions of it. Uh, Nick Solares, who was on this, to- told me about. It. Like I, you know, like heard it, but I never knew anything about it. And he kind of told me about it. There's like multiple versions. The most basic one is eat only in like an eight-hour period during the day, which doesn't sound like crazy, but in the end, like you then have to kind of be because like that's yeah. that's the key thing. So then you're either it's like ten to six. 12 to or, 8. Yeah, 12 or, to know. 8. Like, you know, what's your, like, 12 to 8 probably makes the most sense for, like, me and just, like, working on, like, when we work on shoots, like, we're probably not done until 6. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to get home, you're going to cook. But then also, obviously, then comes into that, then you got to be smart. And, like, I mean, I'm doing, like, more meal prepping just so, like, food is, like, ready. So I don't have to also think about like you know there's it's just so easy to get food these days with like fucking uber eats yeah like you come know. right to your door yeah and there's an art in cooking i think that yeah. a lot of people sort of miss i mean i am not a great chef or anything but i enjoy when no one's home and i have the kitchen to myself and the fridge is open <laughs> i can choose whatever i want and just go to town yeah either on a sandwich or just another pasta dish or something like that but 
I'm a big food guy. Diners, uh, sort of staple. I mean, I, I love diners. But I also really, really love sushi. Right now, that's my number one food. Oh, yeah? I would eat sushi over anything else. When was your sushi, like, discovery? The first time I, like, remembered enjoying it was, yeah. like, sophomore in college. Okay. So I was pretty late in the game. Yeah. Maybe to sushi. I think I was in, like, middle school, and there was even some, I was, like, friend, it was, like, my dad's friend's son, who's, like, two years younger than me, like, we were hanging out in, happened to be in Westwood, and we were, like, by, like, a strip mall, and he's, like, oh, I'm hungry, like, I'm gonna stop in, like, it was a supermarket that had sushi available, so I'm sure it wasn't even the best sushi. Right. But I'm just, like, oh, like... I don't know. Okay, I'll try it. And it was even, I remember it was eel. I'm right. like, what a, what a weird sushi for the first one, like, to try. But I, I but I loved it. And so, like, even the, for, and then even for a while, I was like, no, I don't want to eat any, like, eel, like, I don't want, like, like, raw tuna and, like, salmon. Like, I don't know, like, no, eel. But it's like, it's such a weird thing. Like, tuna, tuna's pretty freaking common. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now I love practically every, every, every kind of bit of, uh, you know. Sushi. Sushi, so. That's, well, that's the thing. Like, my my grandparents, like, they, my grandfather was a hunter, so he would be a deer hunter, and they, they were almost like Native Americans. They just, like, would eat and take apart every, every little bit, bit of this animal. So you were, I mean, were you, you were eating venison? No, no, my mom was, actually. By oh, the okay. time I was born, it sort of stopped, but there's, like, many a story about, like, Deer eyes, deer brains, all this stuff like being eaten. Mm -hmm. And when we started eating sushi, they looked at us like we were crazy. I'm like, you guys eat garbage. I mean, like, what is it about raw fish? All of a sudden it turned a lot of it, like my Italian family off. I was like, oh, raw fish? You can't eat raw fish. You are eating <laughs> eyeballs. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, what <laughs> yeah, are you yeah, talking yeah. about? Last person who should be talking. Yeah. But uh, I guess it's something about the uncooked thing that like scares a lot of people. Yeah. But, I mean, at least we know, like, with fish, I mean, obviously, you still have to be, like, safe. But if it's being prepared properly, then you got not, yeah, not much to worry about. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take a parasite once in a while. I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I just love it too much. I can't give it up. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Let's, let's get into this film. I gave you, like, a couple options. And um, I, th I, I, w I wasn't sure, you know, there was like a new one, there was an older film, and I know you're into older films, so I'm very happy to talk this one, and it's kind of appropriate, because this is the last movie episode, and I haven't, I haven't done a movie in a while, I've done a bunch of those first cut episodes that I do, uh, right in a row, and before that, it was uh, me and Brian Rodriguez, uh, host of High School Slumber Party, and uh, co-host of mine for PSI Love Hoffman, we did two episodes First one being seasons one through five of the Friendsgivings episodes because we're both Friends fans, and then the second episode was seasons six through ten. Mm -hmm. So haven't done a movie in a while, and I'm very excited to talk about this. So without further ado, let's get into Casablanca, this little unknown beautiful film of the 1940s. It's very small; nobody yeah. knows of it. But it's great. <laughs> I mean, this film I have not watched it in so long. And it, I get long enough that probably the last time I watched it, I was still very much like, I mean, I'm still always watching new films and learning things from it, but it was probably at a point that I'm really just like taking, it was probably, you know, point being probably back in college. Last time going I down the list movie. of classics. Yeah, going down the list of classics and like appreciating, but like now that I'm, you know, like 10, I mean, I graduated college uh, over, over 10 years ago. That just maybe because of more life experience or just whatever. Like, this movie just, like, 
just I mean there's a reason that it's one of the greatest movies of all time and people revere it that way and it's not like you know it wasn't like an aha moment for me I like already knew it but maybe I was thinking it from like a just like multiple like you know like what makes up you know a film like all the departments and everything like that but this with the story like this time I don't know it's just like one of the most beautiful stories I've seen in such a long time and you know I didn't forget the story but just seeing it play out on a screen in front of me by some of the greatest actors of all time it's really, a beautiful beautiful really film. really beautiful yeah like the story i think is great i mean it's, yeah. it's it's simple maybe it's cliche by now but i think there was something about the couple sort of you know not getting together in the end that may have been a little different for that yeah. time you know especially you know a lot of films ended on the kiss and there was a kiss but there they weren't together yeah i mean it's it's yeah, it's looking at you, kid. It was just such a. I mean, there's so many things I love about this film. I, the first thing I'll say is like the cast. Just going down the list of cast, I mean, obviously Bogart's great. Yeah. Ingrid Bergman is my favorite actress of all time. Wow. It took me a long time, but I finally acquired an autograph of hers from an auction house. That is cool. I am was like. Obsessed is it just with like her. a n- normal like portrait pictures or from a from a movie? There's a film that she made with Cary Grant in the in the fifties called Indiscreet. It's a publicity photo of that film with like, uh, it almost looks like an envelope. So half the envelope is a picture and the other half is just her autograph. Yeah. It's like a very small sort of thing. Um, and the unsung heroes of the film, I think, are the supporting cast. Sydney Greenstreet, Peter Lorre, and Claude Rains. They're just at all, there's so many colorful characters in this movie. It's great. And this is a movie that's like, it's funny. Yeah. It is a funny movie. It is a sad movie. It is a dramatic movie. It is just beautiful, you know, like overall. And, um, I mean, do you remember, like, the first time watching this? Yeah, I, 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 one of, this was one of the films I bought the DVD before I had watched it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, like, I, I used to do that so much. That's like, a gamble, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but at least at that point, like, I'm sure, but you had, but you had at least heard of it. Yeah, I had heard of it. So when I, I bought the great, when I bought the DVD, I was in third grade. Oh, um, wow. Damn, well, okay. I, maybe I, I didn't like, buy it. It was given to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was probably in, money. like, eighth grade. I think my aunt gave me a bunch of, like, old-timey Oscar winners or something like that. Yeah. Was probably, you know, back when, like, Best Buy was Best Buy and had so many different, like, collector sure. things and stuff yeah. like that. You know, like, I have, like, a bunch of Hitchcocks because of that. Bunch of Mel Brooks, that kind of stuff. But. I didn't. I mean, I I probably saw it then, but I couldn't retain anything. I, sure, I didn't sure. see it again until I was in like high school. Okay. And I really liked it, but then by the time I got to college, I yeah. was watching it a lot more. I maybe had seen it like three times while I was in college. Um, yeah, it is a funny movie. Like, there's that great line where Claude Rains. I can't remember exactly, but it's sort of like. It's like, you know, there's no gambling here. You're winning, yeah, you're sir. So thank you. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> I like, wrote that down. There's just so many, like, there's so many classic lines. I think in, like, AFI or whatever, you know, in, in like, the most quotable quotes or most famous quotes, there's, like, at least six from Casa. Yeah, oh, my God. I mean, I mean let me try. I put, like, little asterisks next to them. All the gin joints. Yeah, exactly. One. What's Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that one total. So... Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. I love you that. Know? Uh, and the fact that, like, play it again, Sam has never said. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's that's, like, a, that's another... Play it, Sam. You know? play, play, play as, as time, time goes, goes by. by. Yeah. Um, let's kiss me. Kiss me, you know, as, as if it were the last time. 
I mean, here's looking at you, kid. And we'll always have Paris. We'll always, is, we'll always have Paris. Uh, maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. And the, you know, the, the rest round, of your life. Right? Yeah, round up the usual suspects. Oh, that's such a great line. Which obviously then gave the uh, to Brian Singer the idea yeah. for the title of the Usual Suspects, and then Louis. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Which is like, I forget that that's the last line of the what film. What a perfect last line. That should be. That would be like a fun. I maybe. I just sometimes I think in like coffee table books. <laughs> like I always try to think of like tangible things. Obviously, there could be a BuzzFeed article in, that, <laughs> in a tangible sense. Like even I'm like, is it podcast worthy? But just like best last line movies. Yeah. You know, like best first lines, best, best last first, yeah. lines. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think so. It's called I, like bookends or scripts. I don't know. Scripts. <laughs> but I, no, I mean the thing. The thing about Casablanca too is like. It ages well because I feel like the hardest thing for a classic movie to me, let me let me restart that. I think the most difficult aspect of classic films is like their romance. It's not very relatable anymore. Mm-hmm. The way they portray romance in classic films, you'd look at today and say, "What the hell are they?" You yeah. know, they 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 say, "I love you" three seconds into meeting each other, mm-hmm. and they don't yeah. kiss until the very end. <laughs> You're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, right? yeah. This one, fortunately. I, I mean, I wasn't watching it for this reason, but I didn't really catch any, like, dated elements to their love story. Like, fortunately, there was no, like, slapping of women and, you know, yeah, stuff that yeah. obviously is totally not appropriate. I mean, it should have never existed, but is not seen in our uh, cinema landscape now. Um, but, you know, and then also, as far as, it, it's just uh, to the level of that, how this movie is still... Relatable and po- more, more so even poignant. Just like the story and dealing with isolationism, corruption, immigration, refugees. Yeah, I mean that's big. It's big. I mean, it's something that the world is still facing, and like even our our country. And it's just kind of, it's weird that it's, like a, almost a very patriotic American film. Besides, obviously being like being being an American film, but like. The movie, you know, you're never in America. Mm-hmm. You've got two Americans in the movie. And, you know, obviously, you know, Rick's Cafe American, you know, like that's, it's in, it's in the title there. But just, it kind of made me sad for like the beacon of hope that America once was. And I think we've definitely lost. I'm not trying to get, I'm not getting all political. No, 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 no I understand that. But it's definitely, it's just something in that movie. It's just a beautiful like again, even like smaller, you've got like the young Bulgarian couple, you've got the older German couple. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is incredibly diverse. I was reading some of the trivia on it, and uh, during that uh, the the singing of the national anthem, I was going to bring this up. Yeah, those are a bunch of real life immigrants and refugees from from Europe that came here, and they had them as you know the extras in the movie. And some of those like tears that are happening, those are, are real. Are real. I think that I think you know that was I was going to bring that up. That was only that was one of the pieces of trivia I remembered about this film too. Is because that is a powerful moment when they sort of stop. I think they're doing like the German anthem, yeah, the, right? Or some like some form of the I was reading because then they it wasn't like the there was like a specific Nazi anthem, but I, and then I think this was just some kind of German national song, you know, of sorts. Like yeah. if we start singing like the, I don't know. I mean, there's just obviously the Star Spangled Banner, and there's, I mean, we've got a bunch of songs. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but yeah, then all of a sudden, then Rick, who never wants it to be political, kind of gives like the nod to like, you know, for them to start singing uh, the, the French 
national uh, anthem. And, and just, Rick is, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Rick is just iconic, and this is sort of the person that you always want to be. Not that you want to be some guy depressed in a bar over a lost <laughs> love, yeah. but if you had to be, yeah. he's the guy who you'd want to model it after. Yeah, if right? I had to, like, yeah, like own a bar and, like, be heartbroken and always be, like, boyabin. Right, so fucking well. Um, I even wrote that down, like the way Rick pronounces boy. The the Uh, the director, I think, is like worth mentioning because Michael Curtiz is like this. Probably is one of his most well known films, mm -hmm. but he has, I think, one of the highest records for like a director ever. He's he's directed apparently like somewhere between 150 and 200 films. Wow! In his career, I mean, maybe some of them were sort of when he was in Europe, but he's he's directed other great, great films like White Christmas is, is a Michael Curtiz film. Mm-hmm. A lot of the James Cagney films that I was talking to you about before with, with Bogart. In, like, uh, I know he directed Angels with Dirty Faces. Um, every time I sort of like look down the list of Curtiz films, I'm always like, I love that film. And I just feel like he doesn't get enough credit as a director because he's done so much. At least, I mean, he did win Best Director for Yeah, he did. So, I mean, this movie won, and again, very appropriate because this is the last movie, you know, we'll be doing before uh, uh, before the Academy Awards. Uh, we've, it won Best Picture, it won Best Director, and it won Best Writing. It was nominated for Actor, Supporting Actor, Cinematography, Editing, and Music. And so, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, you know, eight Academy Awards. That's, that's huge. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's definitely big. up there. I mean, more and more there seems to be, like, I remember it was a big deal, like, that Titanic was on the list of, like, you know, it was like that and Ben-Hur that had, like, 11 nominations yeah. or something like that. But, uh, but I think that even this year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has 10 or 11 or something like Joker that. Joker has 11. Joker has a lot. And, ten, of and Once Upon a Time has ten, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, what is it? Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> lost like, a little bit of its... I mean, the fact that, obviously, up to ten movies can be nominated now and stuff like yeah, that. It's yeah. lost a little bit of its uh, pizzazz. But I do... I, something about me also just totally loves the setting of Casablanca. It's just, yeah. like, sort of fabulous. Because so many of these Warner films at the time were just backlot. You know, I mean, this was shot on the backlot, too, but it was just, like old tenements or whatever they were trying to do like a gangster film or I just felt like this film had a different air to it because the setting was so different mm-hmm. and like there was something more romantic about that I mean there's there's scenes where they go to Paris yeah there's a flashback to right? Paris yeah um, I mean I just I, there's something about Ingrid Bergman's character I think that really sells me mm-hmm. on this love story I mean, they do have really good on-screen chemistry. Her, her they mother. do, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's just something she. At the same time that her character's been through a lot, she's definitely like the innocence in the movie still. You know? Yeah, that her and the other and the fellow refugees, like the young Bulgarian couple and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just I mean, it's a beautiful love story that slowly gets you know like peeled back and we get you know i mean that's something that i think you know like when if if you've it's almost (laughs) there should be i'm gonna like approach this it's like in a very dictatorship kind of way you should watch certain movies before you're allowed to watch other movies because like you, you said something to it earlier that at this point there's been plenty of movies that have done things similar mm-hmm. so then like 
Casablanca won't be as special to you, sure. at least in that sense. I mean, even a movie like Citizen Kane and Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz. I mean, just groundbreaking movies and st- Star Wars too. When it comes it to is. special Absolutely. effects and stuff like that, and then you watch that or or Jaws, and like I had like a deep conversation, not even conversation, argument with like my family one time, probably at like Thanksgiving or Christmas. And Jaws was brought up, and they're like, oh, yeah, but now the shark just just looks so, like, cheesy. I'm like, no. I, I don't I, agree. I don't agree, even. But I'm like, even if it does, like, the other elements still work. Like, yeah, okay, once it's, like, on the boat and you see it, like, shaking back and forth, like, and you have time to really look at it, okay, yeah, sure. But then when you see... Uh, oh, God, why am I blinging out? Quint uh, right now. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. And when he's just like, ah, 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 terrifying. And then terrifying. also when you hear that chomp and the blood and everything like that, and the machete into like the nostril, it's just Robert Shaw sells it. Then. Oh my god! And like, like, yeah, and oh, it's just, that's the scariest film I've ever seen in my life. And I uh, yeah. love horror. I'm a horror junkie. Yeah, I'm not a horror. Per- I mean, especially nowadays with like just like too much gore and everything like that. I don't really even like newer horror films. Yeah, I, tend I like, to sus- like yeah, like suspense movies more. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. But uh but no, I mean yeah, back to that. I think that I think that the thing about Casablanca that does make it timeless is what I was saying about the setting. I would love to just be uh you know, a patron at Rick's. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. love to just be sitting there around that sort of energy just hanging out there and yeah. seeing the characters that come in and out of the place and there's just something about there that makes you want to, to be a part of it. And I think that's the difference, like what I was saying with location in that film. is like yeah. Rick's American... Is it Rick's American Cafe? Is that what it's Rick's called? Rick's Cafe American. Yeah, yeah. 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 I always got confused yeah. by that. No, yeah. Not going <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, they just do such a good job setting up the location. It's the primary location for the film. And that's why I, uh, I, I have it as a foodie film because that's just like if a movie primarily takes place in a restaurant or a bar. And while, you know, it's not like there's crazy things happening with food and drink, but that is what it is. It's a watering hole. And it's kind of this refugee place that he's just like no politics. He is kind of neutral and like a bit of an isolationist and isn't, you know, and you even have... Claude Rains, you know, like, going into the whole, like, uh, I'm on this side until that side wins and everything yeah. like that. He's he's probably one of my favorite characters in the film. Yeah, him and, uh, oh, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Ugarte? Ugar- Ugarte? The Ooh. one the one that kind of talks like this. Peter Lorre? Yeah. Oh, my God. Peter Lorre... Is one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah. When that scene where they're trying to take him away. Oh yeah, when he's like, he's like, Rick, Rick, Rick you I, must help me, Rick. Yeah, but even before that, he's like, "Can I cash in my t- my chips?" <laughs> this is very, very. I just love the him and uh, Ferrari are just so good. Ferrari with yeah. the with the fly swatter. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. All those characters are just so so good. I think that's what like is missing from a lot of films today is is like equally strong characters. supporting cast. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's not even supporting. He's sort of just a cameo. Whatever you want yeah, to call it. Yeah, he's in it. two, three scenes. Yeah. But he, but if you, there's, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, but the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, Bogart, Peter Lorre, and Sidney Greenstreet. The three people in this film are also in that, which I think came before this film. Yeah, it came before this because I read that Ingrid Berman, uh, to get ready for working with uh, 
Humphrey Bogart watched that film a bunch of times. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, a, you know, those little characters to me sell it. They sell the film. Yeah. Because I believe them. And I also believe Conrad Veidt, the, the guy who plays the, the Nazi. The Nazi captain. They're no major. He's a major. It's Captain... I really, you'd know better than I. Yeah. Well, no, I was, I was just watching it earlier. But it's, yeah, it's Captain Renault and it's, uh, yeah, it's whatever his, uh, yeah, I think Major. Yeah, Which, Major, Major Strasser. Yeah, yeah they, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, and this is maybe me being like, maybe you know this already, but like Conrad Veidt was a big actor in like the German, early German silent yeah. films, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And he was the, he played, uh, I forgot what the name of the character was, but in a film called The Man Who Laughs. Oh, which was the I, inspiration yeah. to the Joker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And so yes. I just saw that film this year, actually, with Conrad Veidt. Yeah. And every time I see Conrad Veidt... I've just Veidt, seen footage from that. I haven't seen it, like, start to finish. It really looks like the Joker, yeah. you know. That, like, of, crazy, the big yeah, smile. Yeah, the, that, the like, slick yeah, back yeah, hair super, yeah. and the white face and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and he was a German refugee because while he w- wasn't Jewish, he was an actor and friends with a lot of Jewish people, and was a bit out, you know, very, in obviously a good way, outspoken in in you know in Germany. And he found out the SS were coming after him, and he escaped. And so, and then wow. he said, and he said he never, he only wanted to play bad guys that didn't have any kind of like redeeming and like cool like you know vibes to them or whatever. That's so that's so interesting. Yeah. I know Peter Lorre was also, I don't know where he was born, but he lived in Germany for a long time. And mm-hmm. one of the films that brought him to fame was a movie called M. Fritz Lang directed it, German director. Mm-hmm. And I know that when the Nazis like came to Germany, Peter Lorre got out of there also. Uh, Curtiz, who's the director, I think was Jewish. Oh, okay. There's, yeah. There yeah. is a large amount of like, and, and, and here's the thing about Casablanca that makes it different from a lot of films made during World War II, because this was made during the war was going on, is that while there is that scene of the anthems and stuff, it's not like this preachy sort of like rah-rah America, because it doesn't take place in America. Yeah. Rick essentially doesn't care. Yeah. You know, he is not on either side until... At, I, well, you know. Rick definitely, he embodies America. This, this, was, this movie began to, uh, started getting made after uh, Pearl Harbor. Okay. And so that's, you know, America was in at that point. But Rick definitely represents America before Pearl Harbor happened. Like the depression, sort of like, I, I feel like... Depression, like, is, isolationist, like, it's just like, nope. Like, there was some, some, some line of just... Um, you know, him, you know, wanting to, oh, God, where did I put it? Just like, you know, yeah, your business, you know, your business is politics. Mine is running a saloon. Like, he just doesn't, he just doesn't care about, like, he doesn't want to get involved in that. He's got his world. He's looking out for him. Yeah. You know? And I think that in certain ways, and not to get too political, mm-hmm. that is the, that's the most accurate depiction of Americans. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just a person who's like, I'm not on one side or whatever, you know. It's just whatever happens, happens. Obviously, he's not a fan of the Nazis or whatever, but it's not like... He's not standing up on the table saying, hey, guys, we got to do something about this. we got to oh, yeah. band together, which is what a lot of films from back then have, especially 
films that were made during the war. Oh, it's when Ugarte goes up to him. He's like, Rick, you got to help me. And he's just like, I stick my neck out for nobody. Like, it's just like, boom, boom, right there. Great line. Right there, you get that character. It was even before then. I mean, I love that it opens up with, like, the first time we're introduced him, he's playing chess. And a fun fact about that that I read was that um, in some late, later on there was like some auction and there was a picture found maybe that chessboard was being sold or there was some kind of picture and that he was that like chess match that he's playing in the movie he was playing with a friend of his you know he, they were shooting this in L.A. he was pre- playing that game longest game of chess ever with a friend in New York and he would take a picture after he made his move and then send it with the board. Oh my god, get out of here. Or maybe at least send the picture and maybe the other person would That's put it on another so board. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always think back to that one scene because there is sort of, and I, and it's, it's totally, totally relatable. Of like, when you lose someone or, or sort of like when you have that relationship that falls through and Rick is just sitting there in the dark with Sam. Yeah. Well, where it goes, one in, one out. Sam. Yes, boss. It's December 1941 in Casablanca. What time is it in New York? What? My watch stopped. I bet they're asleep in New York. And I bet they're asleep all over America. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. your plan? Oh, just a little something on my own. Oh, stop it. You know what I want to hear. No, I don't. You played it for her, you played it for me. Well, I don't think I can remember. If she can stand it, I can. Play it. Yes, boss. It's it's a famous scene, and it's, I guess, not worth mentioning. Not anything that nobody hasn't said already about it, but... There is something that's so damn heartbreaking about it because yeah. he's just sitting there so defeated and you just see when, oh, the instant where he first sees Elsa mm-hmm. yeah. in the bar. Well, yeah, he comes out to hear the song and he goes up to Sam. He's like, why are you playing? I, told, I thought I told you never to play that song again. Yeah, he even doesn't finish the line and he sees her and it's just like, uh-oh. <laughs> and she yeah. is gorgeous. I love, I actually love the uh, costumes in this film. Rick's uh, yeah. white jacket is awesome. Oh yeah, that's yeah exactly. You gotta mention so that. Great. Yeah, the white like yeah white suit tux kind of like thing like that definitely has to be like a James Bond inspiration. Sure, right yeah, you know? definitely. Especially since it takes like it's like very like casino like yeah around the drinking. Yeah, smoking, yeah, yeah. There is the gambling, gambling element to it. Yeah, exactly. Problem. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's definitely. And fun fact: Peter Lorre. Uh, in in um, uh, I'm trying to get this right. Victor Fleming's first uh, adaptation of uh, James Bond before Doctor No with Sean Connery, Casino Royale. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter Lorre plays the villain in Casino Royale, so he's technically the first Bond villain. Okay, yeah, yeah. To, to bring that back around to Peter Lorre. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I, I love uh, Elsa's sort of like. That like patterned shirt with the like skirt. Mm-hmm. I just love the costumes in this film. Yeah. Claude Rains looks awesome with his whole getup. Oh yeah, he's just oh, there's so many great characters. Is there is there a scene of yours that like is a particular favorite to you? 
I have to be cliche and just say the ending on yeah. the on the runway because there's something just totally classic Hollywood with yeah. the fog and the plane. Yeah, the and plane. This and that. Yeah, like and then I mean just the gun in the pocket. Yeah, <laughs> but there's something not Hollywood in the fact that it doesn't work out the way that you want it to work out. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you know. Rick, Rick had a plan all along, all along. But he just yeah, it wasn't the plan that we were all expecting. Right. I mean, right. it would have been like a whole like, I mean, what do you think? Was she? Who who do you think she loved more? Like you know, he goes and he says like yeah, like you know she you know like he needs you like you know that uh, that um, um, oh, Laszlo needs her you know she like without her like you know she's his muse his like inspiration to keep him keep him going and fighting the yeah. good fight and she clearly does love him i mean that was you know was she said it was the hardest choice to make when she did in paris but then she would never do it again but at the same time like who do you think she loved more i mean it's a hard question because you know she obviously loved them for different reasons yeah. and at different times but i do think that the right decision was to go with laszlo and that she did love laszlo more yeah i i do think that yeah i mean what just, do you think I think so too. I mean, for both reasons that you just said, like it is the right move. I mean, or let's do the three. Like, it's the right move because yes, you're going to then be helping like this man do you know great work, and you yourself doing great work. But you know, like with him, um, and then it's a good reason because it you're getting out of a dangerous place, and then on top of that, like. He was your husband and, you know, your love before Rick. And I don't know how much time they had together in Paris. That's the great thing. Yeah. Is that you really, I, I don't think they ever really explain how much, yeah, how long Yeah, but they were definitely, I mean, had to have been like more time that she was with, you know, her husband. Sure. And, you know, yeah. Everything, everything like that. And she, just, she thought she was told that he was dead. So she had, you know, moved on, at least in the sense of. Rick was probably exciting and, you know, like, a, I don't know, he was American. <laughs> I, I heard that, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard, you know, loving Ingrid Bergman and watching a few of her interviews, that she wasn't sure what the ending was. Oh, okay. That the script was sort of given her on a daily basis, and she wasn't sure what man she was going to end up with uh, oh, until that day of shooting. I, mean, uh, I know this is based off of a play, and there were, like, yeah, I mean, changes made, so I don't know if also then there was a different ending in the play, mm-hmm. or you know what, or what exactly how that story unfolded. But it's a pretty classic. I mean, I have to agree. I mean, the ending is just—it's one of the all-time best endings. And what do you, what do you think is going to go on between Rick and you know, obviously um, uh, Reynald? What do you, what do you think? You know, what is this friendship going to me- mean for them? What do you think is going to go on after? I don't know because they're both so. Uh, indifferent people. Yeah. You know, like, even even what uh, Ronald said is what you were saying before. I am on the side, and then when the other side wins, I'm on that side. Yeah. Rick sort of feels like he's the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do a business venture together, but I'm sure that they're yeah. going to be... Uh, I'm sure that they're going to be friendly in the way that maybe they'll... There will be other refugees who need help or something. Like Renault in a position of power may turn a blind eye to things that Rick needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Rick may be able to supply him with information from people who hang around his cafe. Yeah, I try, I try not to get too, you know, dark. But I mean, at the same time, like we're still like they're you know in the early, uh, I guess mid mid right because it's supposed to be nineteen. Well, this movie came out in nineteen forty two. Paris has fallen. I mean, it's supposed to be I guess like nineteen. I don't think America's in it yet, so it's like nineteen forty. Um, 
So it's like there's still a lot of the war to come. And then also if you kill like a commanding officer, obviously they're going to send people there to investigate. Sure. And it's probably not going to be a great situation. It's one of those situations that like, and I do not want this to happen. I know people have like tried to like remake it or God knows I don't want any kind of sequel. No. But it's like almost as if like, you don't need but like when you watch a movie like El Camino to Breaking Bad and like because at the end you're just like what happens to Jesse and like El Camino comes out and you're like okay that's what happened to Jesse I'm happy for him he at least is having a bit of like can, can move on right. now but, just but like, we didn't need that no we didn't need that but you know like yeah but you want it you know, yeah but there's a little part <laughs> there, like, I, I hope everything works out for Rick and Sam and I mean right. you know like yeah, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of options that could happen there. I will just say too that we'll always have power. This is one of my favorite lines in a film ever. Yeah, and I think it's because it just perfectly sums up that feeling of whether it's a person, whether it's a friend or an ex or something. Mm-hmm. But when you when there is something shared between two people and it just isn't going to happen, there's always that little part in the back of your mind that says, "Well, we had those good times. Yeah. We're always going to have those memories. We're always going to have that." And just just making it specific to Paris for them is great. Yeah, I mean, know? yeah, you're already tying it. I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful cities in the world, a city of romance. And then they were there right when it was, you know. Falling. Yeah, falling. Right? Yeah, exactly. When, once the, the Nazis started occupying it, which is just crazy. You know, just, I mean, far, far better men and women than us, I'm sure, could do a, a complete you know, obviously exists, but like br- breakdown of this movie, but because uh, I'm just sure there's so many great little nuggets here and there, and just you got to get in the mind of even the people at the time of that they made this movie, like it was released in 1942. Yeah. So, and you can say like what I was, you know, you could Rick's like that that line. You can say it in a paragraph. You could say it in three sentences, but he sums it up in just a few words. Yeah. Like we'll always have Paris hits me. Boom. And it just you know what he means. She knows what he means, and she knows he's right. Yeah. I think, and that's sort of. Oh, also, fun fact. Oh, here's a great thing to tie it into food. Okay. So I used to go out to California a lot, and there's a, an amazing restaurant in Santa Monica called Casablanca's, and it's sort of in this style. It's 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 a, a it's a Spanish restaurant, but it has like a Moroccan feel to it. Okay. Um, they make like fresh uh, tortillas there's this woman who there's like a count on the board next to her of like how many she's made I think we were there like one year and it was like 900,000 I mean the next year it was like a million like so whatever Um, but they have uh, some of the real props from the film in the restaurant the restaurant is known for like their obviously rice and beans but they have this um, calamari steak oh my god it's delicious it's so good (laughs) and in the corner there's like a real telephone booth with like a, a mannequin of Bogart in it or like a whatever a wax figure of Bogart in it um, they have one of the original um, hats I forget what those hats are called with a like, little you know those those like Moroccan hats oh with the the, fe- like the Fez kind of Fez hats. right yeah, right yeah, right, yeah, right yeah, exactly yeah. Um, and they have autographs from everybody in the cast cool on the wall it's a fantastic restaurant and That's it awesome. pays homage to this great film it's all Casablanca themed it's all Bogart themed Awesome. That is a perfect foodie film story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, it's it's Casablanca, Casablanca, however you want to say it. I know. Uh, but it, it's just, that's what it is. And it's just such a staple of 
American cinema and just or just cinema in general. And I, I think it's just a movie that it does have this timeless feel. I definitely recommend it, obviously in general, but recommend for people to revisit it now because I think it's just a great story. And and uh, I, at least I know since I haven't watched in a while, it just even hit harder for me this time. I really appreciated it. But um, well, moving on, let's talk a couple of. Foodie scenes from non-foodie movies. I know you're a uh, you know you're a monster man, and while I couldn't find actually because I like playing you know clips from these, I couldn't find a clip to play. So let's just talk about it. But it's the Academy Award winner for Best Picture two years ago, The Shape of Water. Oh yeah. There's just there's some pretty good food. Rivers. I mean, number one, great movie, amazing film, right? So from a move from from like a monster, you know, you love them, you know them, monster movie standpoint. Obviously, it's even just much more than that. But what? How'd you feel about that movie? I was really, really happy for Guillermo. Yeah, me too. That was one of those. How I'm rooting for Brad Pitt, like for best supporting actors, like how I was rooting for Guillermo del Toro for uh, director. It's just like one of those things that yes, this is a great movie, but he's just done so many terrific things that I'm like, I want him to get that recognition. And I've, I've like, I you know, horror countdowns throughout the years that I've seen, he's this talking head, and he's yeah. talking about these classic films, saying like. You know, this really inspired me. So I knew him from that. I yeah. didn't actually ever see any of his films until I started watching his films and I saw Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved him. And during his Oscar speech, he actually quoted uh, a James Cagney film. Oh. And I was like, are you kidding me? He's hitting all my <laughs> yeah, bases. Right yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. And I think I made, a Facebook, <laughs> I made a Facebook status around that time saying, tonight... An unattractive, overweight, Universal Monsters fan won for Best Director. There's hope for me after all. Aww. Or something like that. But, but no, uh, Shape of Water is fantastic. It does a good job in like it paying homage to Creature of the Black Lagoon without actually... You know, they say in Shape of Water, oh, he's come from like the Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so is Creature of the Black Lagoon in that part of the world. So it's not like a remake or anything, but... It pays tribute. Yeah, drawing inspiration and not yeah, paying all. As far as the food goes, the two things I remember the most about that film are the egg that yep. she gives him and the hard candy that Michael Shannon bites down on. The hard candy, and then also wasn't there the whole thing with Richard Jenkins and the pies, right? Like in the diner, the neighbor because he's a track, right? That's right. Yeah. He kept asking the waiter for was it like a key lime pie? Or yeah, some or he's just trying all different pies. I think. Oh, okay, I couldn't, okay. I couldn't find the clips, wrong. and I don't. I don't. I, I need. To, it's definitely a movie I need to watch again. I haven't seen it since. I don't think I. I, I just had seen it once in theaters. Same. So, yeah. Same. So I definitely need to rewatch it. But yeah, the eggs like it's just a really good as far as you know like that's their bonding moment. She f- figures out you know that uh, the the creature enjoys these eggs so they just have lunch together you know and i love the the difference between like michael shannon plays probably one of my favorite screen villains he's so good i mean he's good he's He's in everything great in everything and even like a totally different role him in knives out oh i'm so so happy to see him in knives out i mean there's so many people in there the fact that michael shannon was in there i was like sold did you see the Iceman? yeah which I he, he 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 was good in it. It's not that great of a movie for like. I mean, it was a movie that I even like at one point. I was like, "Ooh, if this doesn't get made, like, I'll definitely try to make this something." Yeah. <laughs> so somebody had to tell that story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just I mean, yeah, pretty pretty crazy story. But, but like the difference between good. savoring food and sort of like when he's angry, just biting down on like just doesn't he have that like what he says about it something like. You know, my dad used to have these candies. Oh, yeah. There was like that line where he's, he's, he's describing it like, 
I just like to bite down on them or something like that. It's it's in, it's indicative of his character. Yeah, just like fast and like I mean, and the, well, the fact that even I mean, he gets the creature ends up like eating two of his fingers or biting it off. Yeah, yeah, that's, then, right, yeah. that's right. That's it's right. It's just very yeah. Instead of like the slow sucking of the hard candy, he's just like crunch, crunch, like you know, yeah, get yeah. through it, and just obviously not much like acting on feelings probably yeah. and everything like that. It's just a. Yeah, that's a great character, just in his his demise and everything like that. I don't know if he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but it's like Leo wasn't nominated for Django, Best Supporting Actor. It's like, even if he wasn't nominated, in my mind, that's who should have won it. Like, Leo should have won for Django, Michael Shannon should have won for Shape of Water. Well, that year, yeah, because Christoph Waltz won that year for Django. And I do agree that Leonardo DiCaprio should have been nominated over him. But that time, also, uh, the big man himself, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, was nominated for The Master, a movie you haven't seen yet. I haven't seen it. But, uh, yeah, he was nominated and he didn't win. I was kind of pissed off about that. He has an Academy Award for Capote, lead actor, but this was like supporting, you know, character. And, yeah, I was really rooting for him for that year. But, yeah, no, yeah, Shape of Water, that's... uh, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of good food representation in that. But as far as playing a clip, I went with another, uh, you know, because when it comes to Academy Awards, like last year, Green Book won. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie, but there's just a certain, I don't know, falls into like kind of what some people call, and I'm doing air quotes, like a safe, sto- you know, story yeah. to tell and just like hits to everybody. I remember being in college and one professor saying like, because, you know, like No Country for Old Men won. And that's such a, what she called a genre film. And that rare, that doesn't happen that often, but Shape of Water is clear. I mean, yeah. there's there's a scene where a woman has sex with a fish man. Like that's, you didn't think that that's going to win Best Picture. No, no. Yeah, but it's pretty crazy that it does. And then cut to back in 1991, I think. I always get confused because, you know, the year the movie comes out versus when the Academy Yeah, yeah. Silence of Lambs. <laughs> or a person's eating another person. Yeah, exactly. There's some food scenes <laughs> in it. But right now, let's just play the clip of, well, you guys know. It's the, if you don't know what's coming, come on. It's a famous clip. You see a lot, Doctor? Or are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you, why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? Maybe you're afraid. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You fly back to school now, little starling. I mean that that you said I, I was like you know what I was about to say it and I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna save it like that and Jaws are like two of the scariest movies to me of all time. Like, Sounds of the Lambs is terrifying. Her at the end in the basement with and Buffalo Bill with the night vision goggles and everything. Oh my like god! That. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it ends in violence of her like shooting him and everything like that, but just yeah, just this sheer. I mean, we know exactly what crazy horrible frightening individual he is and just her you know he's like so close and she turns around (laughs) and it's just such i mean 
Oh, so brilliantly executed. And And that's one of the three films to win the best five of the Oscars. That holds a really weird place in Oscar history. Yeah. Which is like the one best actor, actress, actress, director, screenplay, and picture. And only three films in history have ever done that. Oh, really? Yeah, which is uh, Silence of the Lambs in 1991. um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1975. And it I wonder, I wonder why you know this information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about you know, I was talking about this with Nick. Uh-huh. And he was like, How the hell do you know? Like it was just that was just like a weird fact that I feel like Well yeah, but there's certain times that like I mean, so then one flew over cuckoo's nest being one of your favorite films of all time. So yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. so what was then the third one? It happened one night. Yeah, okay. Nineteen thirty four. Yeah. But yeah, Jonathan Demi in this movie is just like <laughs> I mean, this movie's like off the wall. Yeah. Sounds like. And that, that, that scene that I just played is just, I mean, you know, it's a, that, that's obviously one of the most quotable lines. That's why I love it also. We were talking so many great quotes from Casablanca. That, like, you know, with a nice bottle, you know, fava beans with a nice bottle of Chianti. <laughs> I'm having dinner with an old friend. Yeah, having dinner with an old no, friend. No, having an old friend over, over, over for, for dinner. dinner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that was the line. That's such a great last line. Let's talk about great last lines in a film. Oh yeah, exactly. That's a great last so, line. And just the slow walk away of him in like that, like white linen suit and the and the hat, and it's totally like he looks disguised. like he belongs at like Casablanca. Yeah, he's walking into Rick's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> isn't he in? He's in a totally different country. He's in the Bahamas. Oh, he's in the Bahamas. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's in the like Bahamas. Yeah, because Chilton, Doctor Chilton, is down there. It's such a great film, and I, I haven't seen it again in a while, but I've seen it twice, and both times it's terrified me. Yeah, it's still yeah, it's a yeah terrifying movie. I mean, these amazing amazing performances, just like a like a, a it's really it's a perfect movie. Um, Bringing him out of the plane in that sort of like get up. Oh yeah, just that sheer like yeah leather yeah like the mask kind of thing, and just yeah. And then him taking the key, obviously that scene with the opera music. When he takes the key. Yeah. Uh, and then the other scene I remember from that is like when they're sort of storming, like they're, they're trying to look for what's going on and he's ripped somebody open and there's they're just hung up on that cell like an angel almost. Ugh. Yeah, it's really... It's yeah, just the imagery film. in that movie is really... Cre- I mean, it's be- like beautiful in like, you know, cinematic sense and then absolutely horrifying and creepy and they just like to think that you know if that happening yeah <laughs> but uh yeah no recently but for for uh ps i still love hoffman or, or uh, brian and i's you know rewatch of you know we have the hoff fans vote for what movies they want us to rewatch, and we did um red dragon which is the prequel to silence of lambs but it was made you know obviously that many years i've later. never seen it how and is Phil- it philip seymour hoffman is in it um as like a scumbag like uh journalist for you know like an inquirer kind of thing it's it's good it's made by brett ratner uh you know uh, obviously we recognize his uh scandals scandal noted scandal noted uh (laughs) but no it's i mean it's ed norton rafe fines uh like i said philip seymour hoffman it's you know it's a pretty good job it doesn't ruin the you know because that's the whole thing when it comes to bad guys like you don't want to know more about them right you want to know less And, and so you really like the opening scene is because Ed Norton is the guy that puts um, Hannibal Lecter behind bars, and so it's him confronting him, and then like, and then the, you know him getting arrested or whatever, and like they both wound one another and everything like that. And they're just always kind of like connected in that kind of way. Um, and then like the Buffalo Bill that movie is Ray Fine's character, and he's the oh okay, he's the Red Dragon. That's like the the, the you know, like 
Buffalo Bill Red Dragon. But uh, yeah, no, just it, it's it's a pretty good movie. But yeah, still just like doesn't. It's probably the best in the sense of like you know Silence of the Lambs, and then you obviously down a bunch of like pegs. But then Red Dragon, then like Hannibal, then Hannibal fucking Rising. That stupid, stupid yeah. prequel of like that's ones that like you know like you they want you to have sympathy for Hannibal Lecter because you see that his sister was like eaten by Russian soldiers in World War II or some shit like that. When I never starving. saw them, but yeah, like, yeah, oh, is just, Ray Liotta in one of them? Ray Liotta's in Hannibal, which is directed by um, Ridley Scott. A fant- wow. A fantastic director. And it's not bad. Gary Oldman plays a character in it. Uh, I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's not bad. It just doesn't feel as like, I don't know, because, because Jodie Foster also didn't come back as Clarice. Uh, Julian Moore played her and while Julian Moore did a very good job it just you know like just the rapport that they yeah. had in the first movie it would have been better if they had it but Jodie Foster didn't want to come back and rightfully so gotcha. um, but yeah so those are the Shape of Water Sansa Lambs we got you know and then and Casablanca three best picture winners that's right Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, there yeah. was a reason. There was a reason. Because <laughs> like sometimes you see best, like you know, I, for a second I was like, did Casablanca win? Best, it's one of those, best, yeah. Best picture like, did because it? Yeah, yeah. Citizen Kane did not win best picture. No, it was like wasn't it panned at first for the most part? Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, he. I, th- I mean, so it was movies like Doctor Strangelove, I think, and you know, there's other, you know, like Kubrick never won a you know best director or anything like that. Yeah, insane. Hitchcock yeah. never won. Yeah, it's like what the hell? Who are they giving it to? I think they. I think he won editing. I know he wasn't editor, but or some, you know, in the beginning. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he, yeah. the point being, yeah, exactly. Like some of the most amazing, you know, it's like obviously I know you're not a big sports person, but like Dan Marino never winning a Super Bowl or something. Sure, like. I've actually heard of that. No, wait, was he on the Dolphins? Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, last but not least, our lovely little segment called Gut Instincts. So these are just some questions that just uh, give me an answer, whatever comes to you first. Okay, cool. Favorite fast food? Uh, In-N-Out Burger. Nice. West Coast, look at you with the West Coast drops. Of this. I just, yeah, I don't know. Something about <laughs> me just takes it back. Go-to alcoholic beverage? A Blue Moon. With, with orange? Yeah, I'm okay? a basic bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite childhood snack? Favorite childhood snack? I loved Gushers. I was a big Gusher fan. Yeah. Although now I look at them in complete disgust. Oh, yeah. But, like, all like, there's so many snacks from back then, though, that, like, were delicious. And then you think about them now and you're like, Ooh. Things aren't that color. <laughs> yeah, there shouldn't be that consistency. <laughs> yeah. Sweet or savory? Uh, I am a savory all the way. Favorite food city, domestic, and have you been uh, abroad? I have been abroad, Okay, yeah. so yeah. Uh, favorite domestic food city would probably be New York, honestly. I mean, it's just the place I've explored the most. There's a whole lot of options, mm-hmm. a whole lot of good street food, which I am into. I am sort of one of the guys who's like, the shittier the place looks, the more I'm likely to go in it. Because I just <laughs> want to see if it's good food yeah and most of the times the places that are bad on the outside is where i find the best food on the inside yeah, yeah. don't the judge a yeah. is a key example um and foreign i would have to say i'm sorry i'm trying to think of the, the name of the, the the city but for for this case we'll just say i studied abroad in florence oh cool and uh I was like obsessed with their cuisine, their paninis. I'm a sandwich guy. Yeah. So paninis, yeah. I was in. Um, and a lot of their uh, other dishes, like their steak is fantastic. They're known for their steak. Um, their pasta is really good. But what, what threw me was the portion size. 
Like you get to these places like, oh yeah, I'll take a, like I'll take pasta and it's like a fourth of the serving of what would be a pasta dish here. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the first time I got that, I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, like I that am is screwed. The, yeah. But I adapted four months of eating it. I was like stuffed by that. <laughs> and uh, then I came home. That's a different story. This is supposed to be speed questions. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. It's not supposed to be speeding from like answer to answer. It's just supposed to be speed and like as a little thought process. It's supposed to be the gut okay. instinct. So, I yeah. also just want to say when I went to like after studying in Italy for a couple of months, mm-hmm. I went to Ireland. That was the first country I visited outside of Italy. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to eat like meat. Because everything in Italy is just yeah. variations of sauce and dough. Okay. So I got to Ireland. I was like, bangers and mash. Like, All right, let's get some sauce and potato. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Favorite cuisine? A favorite, like, sort of nationality? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, sushi. Sushi, yeah. It is my favorite. Guilty pleasure food? I like cold Chinese food. Nice, yeah. I really like cold so do Chinese I. food. So do cold I. General yeah. Tso's chicken. Yeah. I can't go cold rice because I don't hate myself that much, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, cold Chinese food. Favorite condiment? Honey mustard. I judge a place by how their honey mustard yeah, is. Yeah, all right. I need to, like, like certain diners have great ones, certain restaurants have great ones. Honey mustard is my favorite condiment. Do you like one that's, like, more honey or one that's more mustard? More honey because I feel like, I feel like, uh, and now I'm, like, really getting into this. But. <laughs> it's fine. I agree with you. I like, I like the sweeter honey mustards. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there's, like, there's certain ones, like, the darker, the closer they are to, like, a Dijon, the less yeah. I'm going to like it. I sort of like the ones that are... A little creamier ones mm-hmm. that look almost a little white yeah where you can like see the mustard seeds in them yeah they have like the greatest taste i think what's the last thing you just had you said you just had dinner so what's the last thing you ate like tonight yeah my mom made um she calls it like a greek chicken it's like a, it's like a seared chicken with uh peppers and onions in this like lemon sauce and then we put like a tzatziki and a head on a pita nice oh, that sounds good <laughs> it was actually really good I'm getting hungry <laughs> it's actually really good what would be your last meal? I've thought about this far more than anyone should ever think about this. I don't know why I'd be in the position, but um, I mean, can I ask you a question about it? Sure. Like, would I be able to have, and this is such a fat ass question. <laughs> I could just see the guard looking at me like, what the fuck? So, well, you don't have to be in jail. You could just, I don't know, like that's be, be someone that's, <laughs> that's told true. that like, I don't know, you just, like, we live in a culture where you know the day you're going to die or something like that, and obviously it doesn't have any other weird repercussions in your life, and, like, you don't get, like, too, like, lazy about other things, but you just, like, live life to, you know, whatever fullest, but, like, that last, you know, is going to be your last meal, so. I will say, and I'm throwing it again back to the West Coast, my favorite meal of all time is um, Fisherman's Wharf has a New England clam chowder Mm -hmm. in a sourdough bread bowl. Oh, it's so good. And it is, like, huge. Huge. Well, you've had it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would kill three men to have that meal. Ironically, you're already in jail in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I got there. Yeah, that's how you got there is because to do that, and you're like, well, that was the reason. So it's only, you know, poetic that (laughs) That I got this meal. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my pick, though. Sourdough bread bowl. I mean, you said you like being home and having the kitchen yourself, but do you prefer to dine in or dine out? Um... That's a great question. 
I do like to go out mm -hmm. because I feel like it's more of an experience. I feel like what people like sort of lack in America is like the experience of eating. Like you sit down yeah. and you the get presentation. the presentation. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. so many people just eat on the go, which is fine. Like I do, we all do it. But yeah. there's something nice about like sitting down at a table and not having to like get up until you're ready and like the food comes to you and it's presented well and it's a more of an experience. Yeah. Like when I find that when I'm cooking, I'm eating while I'm cooking because I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. Usually when I'm cooking, I'm hungry. And by the time I'm done, <laughs> I'm now not gonna eat what I just cooked. It's yeah. like the next yeah. meal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, and I like dining out because I also, since I like cooking, I like eating something someplace and maybe trying to replicate it at home. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. What would be your spirit food? I mean, I know you know you're saying sandwiches, maybe a particular sandwich. What, what? But not not to obviously it could be doesn't have to be a sandwich. But what food you think like best embodies you, your personality? That's a good question. Um, I would say a sandwich. Actually, yeah. I would say probably like a triple decker. <laughs> That ex, yeah, that extra piece of bread in there. Right. <laughs> the bacon grease like dripping down onto the fries. Yeah, yeah I would say that a, like a sandwich represents me because I have like a lot of things that I like that mm -hmm. may not necessarily be good separately, but together between two pieces of bread, it's like, ah, yeah, I can, do, I can deal with that. <laughs> That's okay. Anthony Scally, I can deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people say when they see me coming. I can deal with them for a few hours. Uh, you go to the movies. What kind of snack are we having? Uh, you know what's funny? I'm not a f movie snacker, but popcorn, actually. I really do like it because I don't have to worry about eating and, like, getting stuff on me. Mm -hmm. At Alamo, a few times, I've had, like, meals. I've had a burger. Yeah. I've had a salad. What the hell I was thinking that day? <laughs> but uh, it's just more work. I can't concentrate on the movie. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. something that's there yeah, just, that I can just uh, aimlessly, uh, yeah, right, uh, mindlessly yeah. go at it. So popcorn. And actually, if I had to give a candy, I would probably do like uh, Junior Mints. Nice. I like them. Yeah. They should. I've never I've never been to a movie theater that sells. They should have a freezer there and you should be able to get certain candies frozen. Like Junior Mints were one of those candies I always put in the frozen. freezer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. Or like snow caps or like Reese's Cups, like mini cups yeah. and stuff like that. Better cold. And last but not least, a great, if not the greatest lesson you've learned when it comes to food. The greatest lesson I've learned is that you have to uh, you have to be able to eat well in order to be able to cook well. I've had food from mm. people who really aren't big into food mm -hmm. and it never tastes great. Somebody who appreciates somebody who appreciates the art of food is yeah. going to make better food. And those are always the people that I try to like be fed by. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Because <laughs> it's true. Like my dad, for instance, like he, he, you know, used to be very large. He lost a lot of weight. Uh -huh. And he always used to say, I used to live to eat. Now I eat to live. Like he eats things that he doesn't, he really could eat anything. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the taste. Like he's like, every diner's the same. Every restaurant's the same. My mom's the complete opposite. She's like, you know, every food is like specific to what this dish is. And yeah, I'm yeah. more that way. And I feel like because she knows how to eat, she will know how to cook. All right, I like that. I've never, I've never, no one's ever shared that 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 thought with me before. I like that. Thank, thank you, you for sharing that. Well, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on Foodie Films right now. I know you've got a couple like projects in the works, from a documentary to your own uh, 
podcast that you've been working on. So please right now tell people where they can find you if, on social media or just tell them about those projects. Or... Sure. So right now I'm directing a documentary about the Bendix Diner in Hasbro Heights. Kind of perfect for foodie films. Perfect yeah. for foodie yeah. films. Uh, and that should be wrapping production in the summer. So or the early spring. I'm sorry. Late spring, early summer. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the year, Bendix Diner will be up, the documentary. Uh, I'm also making a podcast called Push the Side. It's a true crime podcast about um, the murder of a girl in Saddlebrook, New Jersey in mm -hmm. 1969. And uh, actually during the course of recording for the podcast, the, the uh, crime was solved. Oh wow! There was, there was a confession. Uh, wasn't there something? I mean, it wasn't not for this crime, but like, wasn't there something recently? Just like last week or two weeks. It was ago? this crime. Oh, well, it was that one. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw that you liked, but I wasn't sure if you just whether you posted or you liked it or something, or maybe I just even saw it, and uh, I was just curious if it was for that or obviously if it you know, just sparked your interest because you're doing this doc, uh, this podcast about it. But that's pretty. That's that's cool. Yeah. So I have those two. It's a. It's a. Both very large projects. Yeah, just cool passion projects. I've really enjoyed uh, all of your video content that I've that I've ever seen. You used to have. You did like a couple of those, um, and even how I kind of find found out about. Well, I knew about LPG, but you did. What were those? Like, that series called that was, and then you did the one on the movie theater and. It was called Backyard Treasures. Backyard Treasures. I did the movie theater, the candy store in Lodi called yeah. Cardi Sugar Bowl and uh, LPG. Yeah. Oh, and then I did one on a Halloween, uh, Clinton Place in Hackensack. Yeah, like, that they always Halloween go, cr go crazy for. I guess Bendix was supposed to be like another Backyard Treasure, mm -hmm. but it's gotten to be, as I made the documentary, I thought it was a documentary about the Bendix Diner, but the more I've been doing it, it's really on John, who's the waiter, the subject. Yeah. And so it's more about him now than the diner. He's got a really interesting story. All the every all the footage that you show me of that so far uh, is really cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing the final product. I'm sure I'll see some maybe some iterations even before that. But thank you. Yeah. And if you want to find it, it's uh, Shark Bite Productions on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Did you put up any like? test footage or are you are you like any anything for for benedicts yet or i've you, shared like uh, little... some i shared some stills a while ago okay. yeah but as we're wrapping production i'm gonna start posting some social media content for yeah sure. just like maybe like, yeah, a little teaser stuff anything like that but yeah definitely yeah and def once you do we'll definitely uh, i'll share it on foodie films appreciate it thank so you. thank you again for coming on and we have a little catchphrase to end every episode it's there's more to cut so if you don't mind saying that to foodies out there Okay, there's more to cut. Perfect, thank you. Thank you, that's a cut. That's, that's a cut. <laughs> yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy And I feel like I'm loving you Love you such a sweet thing, good night